0: Our scripture reading comes from Revelation 21, 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of God. So,
1: the last time I preached, the title of the sermon was The Final Battle, related primarily to judgment. So, as I was preparing for my sermon this week, which is entitled New Heaven and New Earth, my wife said to me, she hates it when I refer to her, but I'm sorry. She said to me, last week was really intense. So this week, will you please just smile at us? (laughs) I'm smiling. And I'm going to try to do it a couple more times as I think with you about the new heaven and the new earth. There could be things, there will be things in this description that might be different than what you expect. I mean, my description. We alluded to heaven several weeks back. And for the most part, we talked not exclusively, but especially about what it meant to be in heaven, that is... Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let's call that the intermediate state. Don't hold me to that language as if it's a perfect description. But there is some place where all the saints, as the song goes, for all the saints who from their labors rest are with Christ. In heaven, shall we say. It's very mysterious. We don't fully understand it. But we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And where the Lord is, that is heaven. His presence is heaven. Today, our focus is going to be on the coming of heaven. That is, the new heaven And the New Earth from Revelation 21. So I I begin by telling you something about my father. My father grew up in a home that was shattered very early on in his life, shattered to such an extent that he never finished high school, dropped out to try to make a living, lived on the street as a teenager in a boarding house with a younger brother who he was constantly getting out of trouble and out of fights and doing his best to redeem him. My dad still hung out with friends that went to high school, but he didn't go to school. And he would hang out with them, he said, in the late afternoon and into the evening, especially in the summer, And then I'll be hanging out playing ball or doing whatever. And then a mother or a father would call for them. And they would say, it's time to come home. And he said the response so often was, oh man, they're always calling for me. Why do I have to go home? He said, I I would sit on the front porch and listen to their calls. And say, I wish somebody was calling me home. He had no home to go to. The topic in Revelation 21 is the ultimate homecoming. Home calling, shall we say. And I want to break down these verses with three words. Restoration. Restoration presence, and satisfaction. The story that we read in Revelation chapter 21 is a story of renewal. Did you notice that? It's not a story of destruction. It's not cataclysmic, the world is going to burn up and be completely destroyed. And we are going to be taken up to the heavens. To be with the Lord in the heaven wherever that is. That's not the story here. As a matter of fact, sometimes we think of the end times with images that I believe to be improper. And we use passages like Second Peter chapter 3, where it talks about the judgment day coming and it being like a fire on the earth. And while we don't want to dismiss the language, it's important to understand the language and not assume it means that the earth will be completely annihilated and destroyed and we will go up into the clouds to be with the Lord. As a matter of fact, this passage says that in the end times, God is going to make all things new. Now, there's primarily two words in Greek for new. One is nails, which means absolutely, entirely new. You might think of a creation that is brand new, out of nothing kind of thing but there's another word in greek for new which is kainos and what kainos refers to is the restoration of what was once good that kind of new so in second peter chapter 3 that's the word used and there's a parallel In the Old Testament, for instance, not just one, but this one I refer to in Malachi chapter 3 verse 2. A refiner's fire. A launderer's soap. That's the end of the story. That's the day of the Lord. The fire, the launderer's soap will take what is and renew it and make it new. and by the way this this word kainos is used repeatedly in the new testament one of the favorite verses where this word is used for me is in second corinthians 5:17 where it says in christ we are a new creation not naos not absolutely, completely out of this world new, but kynos, completely restored to absolute newness in Christ. I'm the same kid that surrendered my life to Christ when I was running in the opposite direction, but I'm completely A new creation in Christ Jesus. So, restoration is an important theme in this passage. Notice that heaven comes down. In this image, we don't go up to heaven, heaven comes down. We are overly influenced by a relatively new theology of rapturism. Which, by the way, for the most part, was created in the 19th century. It is not historically a doctrine of the Christian church. Not the rapturism that we hear about today. What is historically a part of of being united with Christ if you'd like to use the term rapture is on the day of resurrection the dead and Christ will rise and they will rise to a new heaven and a new earth restoration is at the baseline of the biblical story what was pronounced originally good, undamaged by sin, it will be restored. Not only does heaven come down, but the restoration is not just the restoration of me and of you. It's the restoration of all things. The entire world is restored, according to Revelation 21. I actually realize that some of you are bewildered by my emphasis and passion towards the idea of creation care being a theological issue. Creation care, care of the earth, should not be a partisan issue. It is a deeply theological issue. From the very beginning, you know what the first great commission is? To be caretakers of God's garden. To care for God's earth. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, creation itself groans in anticipation of its own renewal. So if that's true, what ought to be our role? As believers, we ought to be gardeners in the garden of God. At a conference I was at just recently, a British theologian, David Brooks, said that his great awakening on this issue came when he was taking a vacation in a tropical island. You don't think of England having a tropical island, but there actually are some. Tropical island was Skilly Island. So we were there with the family, having a delightful time. This was many, many years ago, and he said we were collecting a lot of garbage and trash. We were eating and feasting, and said so. We asked the local people, "Where, where do we, um, where do we take the trash? Where, where's the, the trash pickup?" And he said, the people said to him, there is no trash pickup. You go over there, and they pointed him in a particular direction, and you dump your trash. And he said, so me and my father-in-law walked to that location, which was kind of a cliff. And down below was a a beach and some forestation. And he said, we just took our trash cans and dumped them. He said, it was in that moment, and I am not this kind of person. He said, it was in that moment that I heard from God. And here was the question. How do you think I feel about the way you're treating my home? You see, this image in Revelation 21 says that God will make his dwelling place with humanity. The earth will be his home. And it is his home. Which is why it's so important for me to care for God's home. We could talk about all kinds of variations about what that means. That's for another day. But the theological principle is this. This is God's earth. Care for it. Because it's his. God is going to restore everything. The blight of this earth will be restored. Second part of this passage refers to presence. That is, God will be present among God's people. The home of God, to put it another way, will be with humans. Not humans going to the home of God, but God being with us. You know, Peter actually predicts this in his sermon in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 21. He says this Jesus must remain in heaven. I would imagine this part of the sermon you missed. Jesus must remain in heaven until the time of the universal restoration that God announced through long ago through the Holy Prophet. John is the revelator, but John would be the first to tell you that the ideas he's introducing to you are not new. They were introduced long ago by Malachi and Isaiah and Ezekiel. Some of the very language that John uses in the book of Revelation. He borrows from the prophets. And Peter says, Christ will remain until the great universal restoration. That has been predicted by the holy prophets. That day is coming and John looks at it and says, this is the day. This is what that day looks like. When God comes to make a new heaven and a new earth, this will be the permanent presence of God eternally. Does that make you think of the incarnation? Does it make you think of themes In Advent leading up to Christmas, God with us, Emmanuel, this is the ultimate God with us, Emmanuel, it's coming. The pictures of the New Jerusalem illustrate lots of things, but just very quickly, what you notice in the New Jerusalem is that there is a city, a perfect city. And it's no doubt the case that the city represents protection with its walls. That's what ancient cities always represented, protection with walls. But notice in the middle of the city, unlike Jerusalem, there was a huge flowing river. And alongside this flowing river, which is called the river of life, You have in the center of the city a garden-like experience with trees all along this river bank. Trees of all varieties. And every one of them bear fruit in their season. And their season is not once a year. Their season is every month the renewal of all things. That's the city John sees in his image. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever taken a look at the history of cities and green spaces. But one of the first and grandest architectural designs of the middle of a city being a green space is New York City. Central Park Google it sometime and look at the aerial view it's beautiful of course it's, it's sullied by sin and decay but it's beautiful this city has a garden in it with the tree of life There's not going to be a temple in this city. I mean, every great city has a great cathedral or temple. New York City, I think, is St. Patrick's. There is no temple. Why is there no temple? Because the temple, the tabernacle, Jerusalem itself was representative of the presence of God. There is no need for a temple because God is among them. He dwells with them. The temple pointed towards God. We need no pointers. God is with us in this picture. What a beautiful image. The third word I I want to refer to, the first was restoration. The second was presence. The third is satisfaction. What does the new heaven and the new earth mean? Of course, all things restored. Of course, the presence of God, but in human terms, it means complete satisfaction. What what does complete satisfaction mean in a negative way? It means the absence of certain things. And that's what John tells us. What will be absent? Tears. He's going to wipe every tear from your eyes. Mourning, sighing, crying, it'll go away forever. Pain will disappear like a pitiful mirage. And no more death, humanity's greatest enemy. All of these things will be absent, says John. Gone forever. What does it mean in the in the positive? It means presence. It means I will give everyone the water of life. Every need you have will be supplied. You you know what sin is, among other things? It's drinking from the wrong well. Here's the way Jeremiah put it. He said, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, or they've left my presence. And my presence was a spring of living water. And what have they done instead? They've dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Sandy is a running towards cisterns that can't hold water. Dirty cisterns. Cisterns that are not adequate. But in this picture of the book of Revelation, there is the river of life right in the middle. No broken cisterns. Complete pure water flowing always, satisfying our deepest desire. You know, there's water crises from time to time. We all know that. I don't suppose it was a water crisis, but this summer, we are early fall, we had this horrible, stinky water here in Bloomington. You remember that? Not anymore. Sometimes we worry about the purity of water. Not anymore. I recall on one occasion we were visiting family in Alaska, and we're um, just driving along. There's only three highways in Alaska. We were driving on, I guess it was number three, <laughs> and uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law said, "We got to stop up here uh, at this rock." They had huge jugs in the back of the van. You know, the huge, big jugs. They stopped because there was the purest source of water you could ever imagine. It was flowing out of the rocks. And someone had decided, probably a government official, that perhaps to make it easier, they would actually install a pipe. And it would just flow. And people would come with their jugs, just fill it up. I don't know how many jugs we had, but we filled them all up. And I have never, ever tasted water so pure. Drinking that water, it almost felt like I didn't need food. It was beautiful, it was cool, it was clean. In this picture of the New Jerusalem, we have water. Can, I'm going to smile before I say this. Can, can, can we go back to the idea of sin for a minute? <laughs> I go back to it for a reason. Sin is unpurified water. Sin is disorientation. Sin is running after good things, but for the wrong reasons. Sin is a disordered love, a disordered love. You could make the idea of a disordered love apply to so many things, but I just want to use one as an illustration. Here's what sin is. Sin is like our love of food, which all of us love and every one of us need. You say, that's sin? No. Sin is our disordered nature when it comes to food often called gluttony. We gorge ourselves on things that satisfy until our gorging makes us sick and we regret eating so much of it. You know the feeling, right? Every one of you know it. That's sin in a nutshell. God created everything, everything, And called it good. And we soil it by our disordered love of it. This water is pure. And in the presence of our Lord, we are completely and totally satisfied. The psalmist speaks of how you can have completely the desires of your heart. It's always a little awkward to hear that, isn't it? Because we desire some things that we shouldn't. But that's not what the psalmist means. What the psalmist means is the things of this earth are beautiful and good. And God will give you the desires, the deep desires of your heart. Not distorted, disorderly desires, but the true desires that satisfy. So what did the new heavens and the new earth look like? New heaven and the new earth is perfect. It's complete. It's the unbroken presence of God. You ever been with someone that you love? And you're just delighted in being in their presence? But you know you're going to have to leave? There's no leaving. What does it mean for you and for me? What does this new heaven and new earth look like? It means that for those of you who have experienced abandonment in the past or or in the present, because of the presence of Christ, you'll never experience it again. For those of you who have suffered abuse, you will be perfectly protected and safe through all eternity. For anyone who has experienced and who among us has not, the cloud of depression it will evaporate like the clouds of the sky do because you'll be eternally in the presence of God. For every person, and it's been all of us from time to time, are just really, just utterly confused about life and its meaning. You will understand Completely. What we now know will be completely renewed. We will be able to take an adventurous journey and never get lost. We'll be able to walk in the woods without any fear. We'll be able to walk down every street of that city without worrying about assault. We'll be able to cross every border and not worry about any objections from a government. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it is his. And all who dwell in it dwell in the home of God. You know, for most of us, um, we long for home, different times in our life. You're going to hear this, I guess we'll call it a Christmas carol. It's not really one, a popular song. You're going to hear it in the stores. If you haven't already heard it, it's going to be going on ad infinitum, ad nauseum, right? Right up until Christmas Day. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. Why why is this so popular? Because it, it strums a heart chord. We wanna be home. If you've always longed for home, but never had one, there's good news. Your home's coming. It'll be perfect. It'll be the presence of God. Your home will be completely restored and you'll be absolutely satisfied. If you've had that perfect home that you have often longed for when you've been away, it's only just a dim image of the perfect home that's coming. I want to end by uh, taking you back to a story about my father. He was a very devout man. Did very well as a kid that never graduated high school. He ended up becoming a college president. but he never lost his longing for home. And that was a big part of his life, making sure we had that home. Our home wasn't perfect, but it was safe and full of peace and love. On one particular occasion, um, my dad, who was, as I mentioned, very devout, Sunday afternoons used to go to a prayer meeting. And uh, it was between the morning service and the evening service. Our house was loving, but it was pretty strict, and you didn't do things on Sunday, right? You didn't play ball. It was the day of rest. And as a little guy, I was always bored out of my mind. I'd sit in the front room and do things and just create another world. And I suppose there was some value to it. It was restful. And on um, on every Sunday afternoon, Dad would come out of the bedroom and make his way to the prayer meeting and say goodbye to me. On one particular day, he did that. He came through through the living room and said goodbye closed the door and then uh, remarkably the door opened up again and he came back in and he said son you want to go for a walk we had plenty of woods around well of course I jumped off the couch I wanted to go to walk with dad in the woods and we just looked at the woods And we imagine what might have been. We thought of the first native people that inhabited those woods, what their life must have been like. I'll never forget that day. It was so simple. so beautiful I was in the presence of my father I'm going to tell you another part of that story my dad told me many many years later you know on that day what happened he said I was leaving as, you know, as I always did to go to the prayer meeting and I looked at you and walked out. And then he said, I felt like I heard God speaking to me. He said, Go back and be with your boy. Now, prayer meeting and prayer was incredibly important to my father, the top of his list. But in that moment, he knew needed to be with me. So, you know what? When I think of a new heaven and a new earth, I have a dream that on the day of resurrection... my dad will find me. And we'll take a walk in God's woods. Why? Because we're both gonna be in the new heaven and the new earth. And that it is the most beautiful thing I can imagine Let's pray Lord you've uh given us words and you've given us images, but you've also given us imaginations we're we're fully aware that our imaginations can run wild. We don't want to be foolish with our imaginations. But we we do want to take the principles of the story and do our best to step in to that story with our imaginations. We thank you, Lord, that at the end you're going to restore all things. We thank you that your presence will be eternally with us. And we thank you that all our longings will be completely satisfied because you'll make everything new. Help us not to get so attached to this world that we forget that someday. You'll make it new and we'll be with you. And until that day, may we be faithful. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.